Hi, and welcome to the It's Mimic Campaign Builder. I'm Adam. And I'm Dan. And we're working with you to build this campaign from the ground up. We know that every table is different, and so is every Dungeon Master. So please take what you want from each of these episodes and use, adapt, and throw away whatever you need to in order to make things work for your homebrew campaign. We don't know who our party is going to be, and we have no idea what yours is going to be. So we're just designing encounters based on the assumed party of the following five archetypes. Warrior, Priest, Mage, Criminal, and Outdoorsman. They're going to be slowly leveling up as we go, but for now we're only at level 1. And we're working on getting a potions merchant from the nearby Canvas City at the crossroads into our walled desert city of Sandspit. Keep in mind that the first large chunk of episodes will be easy to adapt for any party between levels 1 and 5. But before we go any further, let's get to building. Okay, so why are escort missions so unique? Why are they so different from every other one out there? And why are we hitting them early? It gives your party something else to worry about than their own skin. You have to make sure that whatever you are guiding and whatever they're carrying, if they have some sort of other aspect to them, um, gets to the destination not only intact, but preferably healthy. Um, this kind of removes your party from being a group of individuals together completing a task to a party worrying about an NPC. Gives you guys a united goal. It gives you guys a uh, uh, really clear and defined reward as well when you're done like having a mission. This guy getting to his final location or to their final location will open up a bunch of different avenues for your party to explore. That's right. This also gives you an NPC that is going to be on your side in the future. Yep. No matter what happens, you have done them a favor. And even if they decide that they don't like your warrior and your criminal, they may be on good terms with your mage or your outdoorsman. So this gives you another NPC that's not affiliated necessarily with your chapter of your guild. And even if they are, it's always important. If you've noticed in the past episodes, we've thrown in a lot of villains and like... Bad guys, this gives you another good guy who's on your side. At this point of the campaign, this is when you need to be starting to build these relationships with NPCs. And you're stuck on a road for two days with this guy, you're going to get to know him. So, each of us created an underlying issue. Before we even knew what the NPC was going to be about, we knew that we wanted the escort to be pretty difficult. There needed to be some sort of reason that this person can't just make the trek by themselves and the standard is it's dangerous in the wilderness right let's think outside the box yeah so we're gonna roll here and adam and i are each gonna pitch an issue for why this is and then we'll choose the best no we'll roll for it okay. highest one wins okay cool all right and i got a 15 and i got a two so what's yours we have established that this uh canvas city is kind of a uh, stopping point for merchants and various people traveling through the desert on their way to Sandspit. Our NPC is there as well, and he has a large supply of potions and vials and ingredients and stuff that he has to bring with him. Basically, his entire alchemical setup has to go with him from the Canvas City to Sandspit. Dude doesn't own a horse or a carriage. This is something that is going to have to... Your party is either going to bundle themselves up full of vials and bags 
and various other things. Or they've got to haggle their way in. Or they've got to haggle their way, right? And if they didn't come prepared or they lost their horse and carriage early on the trek to the town, it's going to make this a lot more difficult getting out. So this guy's got a bag. Pretty much think of it one bag for every party member. Not including him because he, his sole concern, he's carrying his recipe book. Okay, yeah, no, I like that. That's cool. But mine is that he does have a mount. And it pulls a carriage. But he rides the mount. And the mount is a massive giant iguana. (laughs) Okay. It is incredibly hostile to anyone that is not its owner. And it requires twice as much water as any other mount. Okay. You have to keep this big lizard hydrated. From a distance. From a distance. (laughs) And he needs help with the wares and everything because his entire issue while traveling will be keeping this thing on track and dealing with the mount. As you can imagine, whatever encounters we come up with, a hostile mount and someone struggling to keep track of this mount is going to complicate matters. Okay. And this is why they can't travel alone. You can't make sure that all your jars and vials and and bottles aren't breaking in the back of the carriage if your iguana is just dragging you sideways across the desert just to die in the middle of nowhere. Um, I'm a big fan of interesting mounts as well, and I'm on board with almost any plan that deals with an interesting mount. So I love this idea of uh, your party having to deal with this and... A mouse, like an iguana, is not a traditional mount in any way, stretch, in any stretch of the imagination. So, how is this thing going to move with the cart? Is this thing just going to be an absolute ruckus moving through the um, oh, desert for the next? Two what days? we're doing here is we are setting up the little used and poorly defined animal handling. Yep, and I really enjoy that as being a part of this. Your outdoorsman should have the opportunity to shine here, but hell, you may end up with the major priest that has enough calm emotions. To be able to help things out. Or your warrior just, like, throws a Hail Mary and succeeds and is the, like, the one thing that this iguana won't attack. So, anyway, whatever it is, I think it's going to be interesting. But let's roll and see which idea we're going with. The having to hold and carry, and I guess move at half pace. You're moving at half pace and you're being careful, too, because everything's just jars and vials of ingredients. All right, so let's see. I got a one. I got a 12. Yay, it's the iguana. Yay! Yay! All right. (laughs) You're actually happy about that. That's cool. All right. So uh, the other thing that we didn't really come up with is is we don't have our NPC. No, we don't. We've left it purposely vague for us to come back and kind of throw interesting NPC ideas at each other this week. So... First of all, it is important to have an NPC with a strong personality. This NPC needs to be memorable because they're going to be potentially an ally. Yep. Likely an ally. Because we're, we're kind of... We're, we're leaning, that. we're stacking the deck in that direction, right? But we're not entirely certain yet what this ally is going to be. Is this going to be a good thing or a bad thing? How is this going to work out? Which one of the players are going to engage the most with this one? Um, and so let's, uh, let's pitch... Dan, let's pitch our single NPC merchant, our potions merchant. Okay. I got a 13. I got an 18. All right. Well, you're pitching again. So I'm going first. Now, when I like to build uh, NPCs, I like to kind of keep it simple um, when I'm building these guys. Uh, So uh, I have a name, a race, a class, an age, um, and then I'll make a little note on his personality. 
his wants and desires and stuff, if the party latches on, I will bring that in later. We know that we're friendly. We have a basic yeah. attitude already yeah. there. And they, they need something from the party. So even if they're not super forthright and, and pleasant and whatnot, they are they need the party and they're going to be willing to work with the party. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with off the bat here. Yeah. And, the, the other thing that I would say for me, I do everything that you do for simple, but I don't do class, I do by job. That's fair enough. If if uh that that's perfectly acceptable way of doing it because I, I, often I find, you don't want your NPCs to get involved in a fight. Yeah, and I find that if you are dealing with some sort of stonemason, it doesn't matter what their class is. This is a, a role play encounter, and it matters more what their job is um, and what their family is, as opposed to how many attacks they get per round in a role play. So yep. cool. So, anyways, I have uh, Zelmar Alvianti. Zelmar Alvianti is a summer Eldrin. Uh, he's got his summer season on because uh, he's in the desert. Uh, Alchemist, which is the new artificer subclass thing. Um, he is going to be kind of squirrely. Uh, I've, I've kind of got here that he is uh, slow speaking. Uh, his voice is generally low and held back, but always full of wonder. This guy is just amazed by everything going on with him to the point where um, he takes his craft too seriously and will be distracted by any corpses or flora or anything that could be seen as an alchemical ingredient along your trail. Also, you know, he's got a bit of a fae in him, so he might be fascinated by things like buttons. Yes. And I love that this guy's not only distracted, but now also riding a gigantic iguana at the same time. I'm pretty sure he calls him Fluffy. Uh, or, 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 this is my iguana, Jim. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, I went in kind of a different direction. I I, I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, mine is not a potions maker, but a potions merchant. Okay. Has the recipe spell book, but does not craft them themselves and requires other people and is more of a managerial overseer. Okay. And she is Mrs. Dralbinu. She's an ancient turtle who shrieks and hides within her shell at every instance of danger. <laughs> I just like, oh, danger. There goes the arms. There go the legs. There goes the head. The turtle shell is just spinning on the ground. And the iguana's taken off. Yeah. <laughs> right? Cart and everything that's attached to it with it. Yeah. And so the and so she's got this this book, which is her livelihood. But when she goes into new towns, and that's the thing, she's got this backlog of potions and i figured she's moving to the next town to find an alchemist that's going to be able to help her okay so that's that's what i came up with no i love it all right shall we roll let's do it i got a 19 oh you bumped me to a three you and i got a five you we got zelmer i didn't even intend to do that normally i aim i did not even aim that time it's like you go to the bathroom that's good we got your your uh issue and my npc Yeah, Dan, I feel like I'm dealing with your issues already, so... Always. Okay, so now we've got... What's his name? Zelmu? Zelmar. Zelmar. Yeah. I'm never going to remember that. we got to write that down. So we have Zelmar, and Zelmar is a part of the Black Ink Union, just like our guys are. Um, He's coming into town, um, and he's got a giant iguana who is difficult to control, incredibly hostile, and needs consistent water in order to stay alive. This is an interesting setup that we have here, but he's going to need some protection. 
He needs people to help him kind of wrangle the rest of the potions and keep an eye on things in the back of the cart. I think the outdoorsman stays out and is a guide in the front, but you may have the mage or the priest riding in a carriage or in a caravan or a cart or something in the back, keeping an eye on things and making the occasional sleight of hand check or deck save in order to rescue something. Yeah. And I think that you as a, as a DM should have a list of what these potions are, how many of them there are. And then every time that one breaks, you roll and you see what goes. Okay. So now that we have this, this scenario set up, we got to get back. And that's what this is about, right? We haven't really met this guy. We haven't dealt with the iguana. All of these are encounters that will happen. And we, we've set them up. What we've done is we've come up with an underlying issue, the reason for the escort mission, and we've also come up with the person being escorted. Whether or not it's a criminal that needs to get to the to the execution site, or it's a prince who's trying to get home, or a, a fair maiden who needs to get back to her father's homestead, whatever it is, you should have the underlying issue of why they can't travel by themselves, as well as why you have this this person themselves and what makes them interesting and unique. Mm -hmm. It also really helps to say, how are they going to benefit the party later on? Yeah. And remember, these guys are almost certainly going to be a friend of the party. So I would hope so. Unless the party just screws this whole thing up every step of the way. Yeah. Right. Unless your party is just a uh, group of idiots and nincompoops. So you got about a 50-50. Yeah, you're about 50-50. All right, so... All right, so we're going to uh, give some encounters for... Yeah, let, let's roll initiative to see who goes first. Sure. I got a five. I botched. Good. I, I got a one. All right, uh, so I wanted to, again, reinforce this uh, rivalry with the Lachlan's Lot. So, just outside of uh, Canvas City, as you guys are leaving, I'm going to have this... Uh, combat into exploration encounter that has Lachlan's Lot jump your caravan as you're moving down with the sole target of one of the members of Lachlan's Lot getting over, stealing the recipe book, and taking off into the wilderness. So hold on, this is a what? This is a combat to exploration, exploration. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So your party beats down this uh, group of Lachlan's Lot guys who, of course, are probably emboldened because last time you met up with Lachlan's Lot, you got smacked to the ground as a party. So these guys are going to come in going, we beat you last time, we'll, we'll beat you again. Now it's a time for your party to kind of prove themselves. I think, though, that it, it, it's important to say that these are different NPCs that are showing up again. These guys didn't follow you from Sandspit. No. This is just another version of... Uh, another chapter. These are more thugs. The guilds here, they've got long reaches. Yeah. And so this is just happens to be one of them. Exactly. So the key point of this is once your party is done beating them up, or even in the middle of the encounter itself, they notice one of the thieves, one of these uh, ambushers, making their way away with Zalmar's recipe book. So now your party has to switch from being in a fight to chasing this guy through a, I don't know, a rocky forest of twisted, thorny cacti that are maybe a bit too big. Now your party has to deal with diving under thorns that are the size of your forearm or something. All the way up to finally encountering this guy. Maybe he's got a couple uh, resources or maybe he didn't make it through the jungle as well as he thought he would. And your party has to retrieve this 
a book. From they his find him corpse. impaled upon one of these spines, or, or something, or maybe he's found another one of these small sinkholes, or uh, is the, slowly sinking into quicksand. And he's yeah, but the, so he gets waylaid somehow. Yeah, and then you have the choice about whether or not to let him suffer his fate. Yep, but you need to get that book back. But and and, and this kind of establishes you as competent guards because you retrieve the book. Your party retrieves the book. That is important. They don't lose it. They retrieve it. I don't know. I would give them the op- the opportunity. If they screw up enough, they could lose the book. If they say, you know what? We're going to watch this guy sink into the quicksand. And none of them thinks that, wait a minute, he has the book. And then all of a sudden he's yeah, gone. Yeah, fair enough. Then, then the book is gone. And that's going to affect the Their... NPC's relationship, right? Exactly. Yeah. What's his name again? Zalmer. Zalmer. Avianti. Yeah. I will never remember that. Okay, that leads me to my next one. And I wanted to get into a little bit of a role play um, into role play. All right. So this is really simple. This is one of the instances where we're going to use the inciting difference is going to be new information. I would like there to be downtime. An oasis maybe where the iguana can get wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're just going to sit down and we've been making good time or, you know, I'm a little shaken after the last thing I need to stop. It can be the middle of the day or it can be at night, whatever it is. But I like the idea of you sitting down and this is a merchant who's been traveling from far and wide. They can tell you stories and there's the opportunity here. And so you have each one of the five of the people of your party, whatever your party members are, they each get to ask a question. They'll roll initiative. And then you roll a D4 to see how many stories this NPC will tell. And this is how you can introduce a little bit of the wide world around them. As you tell the stories and the NPCs are reacting to them, you can gauge these uh, reactions and figure out which one of them is, is the barbarian, is the warrior hostile, is the priest thinking that they're better than this this merchant and they have their nose upturned. Is the criminal really sympathetic to this? Who is it that this person is going to latch on to? And it will be that person that they take aside in the middle of this encampment um, while everybody is, you know, getting some more water, filling up the water skins. They're going to take this person aside and say, look, I need to trust somebody with this. I just can't do it alone anymore. I was bitten by a werewolf. (laughs) I am a werewolf. I can't control it. We're in no danger because the lunar cycle isn't lined up right now. But you need to know that the Hunter's Guild, known as the Silver Arrowhead, is after me. Yeah. And I will need your help in the future. Yeah, this, this, this uh, again, helps you understand that there's more than just the two guilds. Yes. And while we had the, the what, what do we call them, the water mages yeah. last episode, last week, when we, were, when we were talking about them and we were trying to figure out you know, are they a part of a guild? Are they not? I like the idea of introducing the Hunter's Guild that hunts intelligent flesh. That comes after specifically lycanthropes. And then you have someone who is... like I love the idea of future missions where you have to guard them while they're chained up in their own basement. Oh, I love it. And things like that. I'm just dropping... These are little plot hooks that we can explore later. We may never get to them. Can you imagine what happens when this person is uh, is captured by the drow? later on and and what zelmar is going to be in the underdark and he's getting all twitchy because he hasn't been able to transform in three months and then you show up and your your druid gives a moonbeam 
And then he goes. He's to, a ticking time bomb. You're just all like, "Hey, Zelmar, look at this!" And everybody hide. <laughs> yeah, and he just goes to fucking town. Yeah, on Drow, right? Like you, there's some really interesting things here. What I'm doing is I'm laying more groundwork. I'm trying to make him sympathetic, and I also want to lay down the idea that not every monster is evil. Now you don't want to deal with a werewolf, right? That's especially at level one. Yeah, that's a bad time. Right. And you're, you're looking for, Hey, you know what? This is a secret that we have now. And by having an NPC provide the party with the secret and give the party or a single party member control over their fate, that shows trust. And we haven't built a lot of trust yet. Even, even Tremblay was a little untrustworthy at the beginning. Yep. This is the first one that's going to be full of trust by saying, here, I need your help. Here's my big secret. Please help me. And it is also important to do this to the one party member who is favorable before you even breach the subject with this guy. Yes. Right? You definitely do not want to be going to the lycanthrope hunting paladin in the party, pulling that guy aside and saying, hey, just cards on the table. I'm what you hate. No, yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, this is your job as a DM to be like, okay, let's let's figure this out. Now, if the one person who is the most favorable is also... The paladin who is a lycanthrope uh, killing paladin. You've got a challenge in front of you as a DM. Yeah, and honestly, I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing because this is a conflict for that player to yeah. deal with. And that's interesting. This is a role-playing conflict that they have. And so while the first part of this role-playing encounter was telling stories and who gets to hear what story. And maybe maybe you don't have them roll initiative. Maybe you have them roll persuasion. Or insight. Well, persuasion to see, no, 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 you tell me my story. I want to know the answer, right? So, so, um, while, while it's fairly benign and the party can sit back and listen to you just kind of talk about this cool thing that's happening over in the mountains or in the swamps or whatever, or what it's like in the big, you know what? Drop the idea of what's going on at the temple in the big city that the party will never see because we're going to drop it down a sinkhole soon, Mm -hmm. right? But give the idea of splendor and wonder and all that, like, Maybe it's all stories about the big city. Whatever it is, it's benign. And then suddenly this role play turns into something that is not hostile, but this is this is malignant. It, it's 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 con- it's conflict. This is very much going to be a conflict. This is a malignant secret that is going to eat at the party a little bit. Furthering uh the idea of you really getting around this NPC and befriending him and, and you as a DM giving your party uh, situations to really help and befriend and grow into deeper relationship with them. Um, my next encounter here is a, uh, funny enough, a skill challenge, which will have a sandstorm that your party sees on the horizon that your party must then find cover and weather the storm. This is going to be made more difficult by the fact that you have a gigantic iguana that needs water at all time. Yeah, and is also very hard to control. Yeah, you weren't expecting this when you come up with your skill challenge. Right no, then. no, I wasn't. You're welcome. Um, you also have a uh, Eladrin who's full of wonder with everything, and yeah, he's been in the desert a while. But think of what gets moved around during a sandstorm. There could be some. Uh, is it in- sand? It and other refuse from the surface that is just getting pulled this way. Uh, there uh, could uh, be some uh, sort, as, of- as they say, with tornadoes. And hurricanes. It is not that the wind is blowing. It is what, what the, the wind, wind is, is blowing. blowing. Exactly. You get to discover 
that your Eldrin might be interested in like some rare herbs that are blown about in the sandstorms and thus easy to attain or or odd crystals that are now uncovered and your Eldrin is going to want to get out. So your party has to figure out some interesting ways using their skills to weather and protect themselves from a fairly major sandstorm. Now, keep in mind, one of these things blew out the road, you know, a couple days ago, and that's spurned a lot of the challenge you guys have faced. So now you have, again, another map that is untrustworthy. Like, this will affect the geography that you guys are encountering. All right, so this skill challenge, then, is not just weathering a storm, but it's it's getting out of this area afterwards as well. Exactly, yeah. And, and that gives your party a bunch of opportunities to really explore their character sheets, explore their skill che- uh, their skill checks to figure out which ones they got to use to get out of this. All right, for my next one, I really wanted to go back to the idea of there being these, these water mages. I've been thinking about it all week, and I really like this. So we're going to have these bandit mages from the last session return. These are the same group, but probably different people because they didn't get away from those skeletons. Yeah. Or maybe you teamed up with them and they they let you go through. But now you're working back again. And no, 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 no. This was a one-way agreement that we made. And here we are back. And they end up destroying your water supply. Because you have this iguana, this is a freaking issue. Yeah. This forces the players to end up in combat with them and then to take one hostage and figure out where the nearest well is. This is going to get you through your intimidation and your interrogation back on track. See, I didn't know you were going to do the sandstorm thing, but this is an awesome way to get your bearings again mm-hmm. is to take someone hostage. So this is going to be your combat into role playing where you knock someone out with non-lethal damage. So don't blow them up with a fireball is the point. Yep. Not that you can at level one, but you, you know, don't hit them with an acid splash right in the face. Right. So you want to knock them out. And then you want to tie them up and you want to interrogate them. And you need to do it quickly before the reinforcements show up. Yeah. I, I I see this going ultimately poorly for the party who then responds with way too much force, kills everybody. And now you have a party sitting there with bandits coming on the horizon, approaching them. They know they're coming. And also an iguana who's thirsty and pissed off. Well, see, this is your job as a DM to have that one person say... As you're doing the final damage to them, they're using their reaction to say, hold on, I can give you what you need. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I know where there's water. Don't kill me, please. <laughs> and that, maybe you're taking him hostage and you're going to drag him back to Sandspit too. And this escort mission is now a double escort mission. Whatever it is, having a hostage is going to change everything for you for at least a short period of time. Yeah. And so I really like the idea of going from combat and from fighting, and choosing to stop fighting and deal with the issue. And again, this is an environmental issue. We're dealing with the fact that we're out in the middle of the desert, and sure, we can push on through. We could make it just fine, but we're going to have to give up on some of these potions and whatnot in order to either get the iguana there faster, or we're going to lose the iguana and have to give up on the potions anyway because we can't drag the cart ourselves. So... What do we do in this scenario? We we have to rely on our enemy. Yeah. And this is a dynamic that we haven't yet encountered in this campaign. You could also have uh, play into the fact that Zelmar has not met these guys before. Your NPC hasn't met these guys before and might not look too favorably on the party just wholesaling murdering a group of people 
regardless of what your history is. So for my last encounter, uh, my last encounter here, our number five encounter presented today, um, I have, I really like the idea that Zelmer is a uh, nerd alchemist. This guy is all about uh, the weird concoctions he can make, he can um, uh, brew together and making up things. And he knows of weird little signs of herbs, rare herbs that or ingredients that are in the area. So as a exploration to combat encounter, what you have is you your party's journeying along and your uh, Zelmer starts sniffing the air and you make your party make a constitution saving throw. And that constitution saving throw is to uh, feel drowsy. Uh, I mean, your elf is not going to feel this, but you're starting to feel drowsy as as the heavy dust is kind of, you guys are walking through. And your uh, NPC determines that this is a rare herb in the area pollinating. And if you guys find this, he can make some interesting stuff with it. So your party then has to go and explore and try to figure out where this stuff is coming from while dealing with the fact that it's putting you to sleep. This this pollen is making your party more and more drowsy, eventually maybe even incurring levels of exhaustion as you get closer and as you get there. And as your party finally discovers what this is, you find a bed of this uh, flowery herb-like substance and sleeping on top of it is an ogre. Now, ogres are a little bit much for a party of level one adventurers to take, but this guy's tired. He's there and he doesn't want to go like separate with any part of what he has deemed his nest and his territory. Would you make him roll disadvantage on attacks then? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I would just because I would pull my punches with this because your party might be a little, they might've used some resources just to get here. And you're on day two of your trek. There is going to be some limping into the main town. So I want to make this combat encounter not exactly crippling, but still a threat. It's if, hard. And you have to deal with the fact that your party's falling asleep during the fight. So so they've got levels of exhaustion as well. Quite potentially. Depends on what their roles are. I'd make it a fairly low save. Increasing in intensity as your party gets closer to this nest. So your party either chooses to fight the ogre, which would be a... F- fairly hard fight or they could even try to talk him out of it and get some of these supplies all they know is that zelmer who's an elf and thus not falling asleep at all desperately wants a large supply of this herb or flower that is here i like it i would also have i would be dangling a reward is i can make blank potion and i will give you one yeah right and it's like oh i can make potions of Fly. So something that can really change a battle yeah. or change a scenario for, for a low-level party. Alright, so the last one that I have is uh pretty straightforward. You're getting close, you're almost home, and the cart's back axle breaks. And now the back wheels won't spin. You can't get there, and you still have a few hours travel to go. Yeah. You can't leave anything behind, but you also can't go forward. And you see... I'm, I'm keeping track of the map as a DM. You are very, very, very close to where you fought the, the water mages the first time. Mm-hmm. Where those skeletons rose up. And you know that there are carts that are half buried in the sand nearby. And so this 
is an exploration, starts off exploration, and you get there and you find that all the skeletons are gone. If you if you retreated, they're gone. Even if you didn't retreat, you've defeated them, they're gone. You might even see, well, there was a sandstorm recently, so you probably won't see their tracks moving away from here, but they're just not there. That's right. And there's no real signs of, of any movement here. So you do a little bit of exploration and you start um, digging through the wreckage and pulling out the back axle of one of the other carts or a carriage of some sort. And that's when a nearby cart explodes out and there are undead beasts. I'm thinking dogs, probably, Okay, that come out as well. There was a curse that was put on this land um, by people that were murdered by the water mages. Anyone who dies here will rise from the dead, and so on and so forth. This is incredibly dangerous because at first it's just a couple of dogs, but I think the dogs are going to go after Zelmar. Yep. I think that they're going to instinctively go after the bright, shiny summer elf. And while you guys are digging in the dirt and the dust and whatnot, and he's just standing there watching you, these dogs are going to come after him, and you may lose him. And remember, if he dies, he comes back as a skeleton. Yep. His skeleton will pull free from his sagging flesh. Gross. And will come after you. I really, really like the idea of ending off this relationship. And we've set this up. Like we said, we've stacked it in the... we stacked the deck in such a way that we want... Zelmar to be a friend and an ally. Long term. Long term. But if he has to die, make it horrible. Make it brutal. And keeping in mind, too, that he is a lycanthrope. What does that mean? Can you kill him with undead? Huh. Does this reveal his secret to the rest of the party? So so here's the question, then. When your lycanthrope gets attacked and is immune to the damage. These undead dogs are biting them and doing this mundane slashing damage with their teeth or piercing if they're biting. Whatever it is, they're doing this damage. And he's technically getting his flesh ripped up, but he's not hes not bleeding because it's not a silver weapon. Yep. That's going to thats gonna give the whole damn thing away, right? And, and now so- your party has to deal with the fact that your friends, because at this point you will most likely be friends with Zelmar, is a werewolf. Yeah. And the whole party has to deal with that. Now the paladin, who is hard against lycanthropes, knows. Yeah, or or maybe it's the priest that declares him an abomination, or or it's it's the the outdoorsman who has run afoul of these horrid beasts in the past. Whatever it is, this can split the party and make a big Roleplay decision, a conflict that they've got to deal with later, which started off as an exploration and then became a combat. Yeah. And of course, this will reveal and you'll have further encounters and whatnot. Do you turn him in? If you took a hostage and the hostage is still with you, does he turn him in? How do you keep the hostage quiet now? There's some really interesting questions to ask about uh, how you handle this information. I love it. I absolutely love it. It adds a lot of different layers, all from getting attacked by zombie dogs. Yeah, who knew? Yeah, right? So, just to go over it again from the beginning, we've talked a lot about exploration and a lot about combat, which makes sense because this is an escort mission. Yep. But we've also had the roleplay-to-roleplay encounter as well, and which because, I mean, we're escorting an NPC, we need to know who we're escorting and why. And we've had a skill challenge, which is really driving home the idea of how dangerous the surrounding area truly is. Yeah. 
All of these things are important to establish early, especially early in a relationship with an NPC, especially someone that we want to have as a, as a ally long term, someone who's going to be able to provide healing beyond just whatever the priest is able to, to cook up with whatever spell slots he has. Mm-hmm. So Dan, do you have any final thoughts? This one was really combat. An exploration heavy with the yeah. with, with a bit of roleplay. There's a little bit of everything in here, but we didn't get a whole lot of downtime. There's not a whole lot of inter-party politics, although maybe we'll get some of that at the end when they figure out that wait a minute, this guy's this guy's a werewolf or a were boar or a were bear. We haven't gotten that far yet, yeah. right? Like he's got to be. I think he might be a were turtle. You really, really want to have that turtle in here, don't you? I kind of do. No, oh. I'm going to save her for a future thing. That's, and and as a DM. Always do that. If you can, if you have an interesting character idea and it just doesn't fit, save it. It'll come up later. So do you have any final thoughts? Honestly, man, um, the one thing that we're really, really going... Yes, this is an escort mission. Yes, this is the first actual mission your party is taking together. And you're in the thick of it. But your secondary goal here is to build a friendly NPC that will be a ally, a confidant, a core... NPC in this campaign moving forward, you're trying to get your party on board with this guy. So he's full of wonder. He's full of uh, practical use as well, being a potion maker. So as you're leading, as as you're dealing with these encounters, these role-playing chances, these these chances for exploration, have this guy be useful, just not game-breaking. Your party are the superheroes, he's the sidekick, and he's a beloved sidekick. Yep, and you will have opportunities to have further sidekicks as well. If the party doesn't latch onto this one, that's fine too. He can be there because they will need health potions eventually. Yeah. They will come back to him eventually. Uh, But whatever it is, when you are doing your escort mission, you have to focus on defense. You have to focus on the idea of there being someone to protect the entire time. But most importantly, you need to get from point A to point B. And there will be challenges along the way. We didn't talk about truly random encounters. No. Uh, we didn't talk about the fact that we didn't get all the way to Sandspit. I think that no, we're, not, we're, we're not home yet. No, we're going to end this session where you can see it glimmering in the distance. Yeah. Because what we're going to do next session, next episode, is we're going to drop the campaign hook. Here's the hammer. The gods have gone missing. Here we go. We're not even talking the big sinkhole to the Underdark yet. We are just going to say the gods are missing. Look what happened while you were away. Oh, I love it. And so this is where we're going to end our level one. In our last level one session, we're going to reveal the full campaign. What we've done is we've explored the city. We've explored our guild. And we've explored the area directly outside, as well as a relationship with a potential new friend. Yeah. Um, and we've got some, some wins and some losses at this point. We've got some strong opinions and we're only three sessions in. Yeah. But this is what dynamic encounters can provide beyond just bandits pop out of the sand, hold you at the end of a crossbow bolt and say, give me your gold. We can do so much better. So much more interesting than that. If you start thinking about what one encounter can turn into. If you add a secondary layer or level to it. Okay. So we're almost home. 
Let's take a week and let the players dangle a little with their first mission almost completed. This will give us a chance to mull things over and decide how this mission is going to set the ball rolling for the campaign's bigger picture. Tune in next week when we discuss consequences, rewards, and big damned plot hooks. So thanks for listening to this episode of the It's a Mimic Campaign Builder. You can find us at www.itsamimic.com and on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcast catchers. And we're also available on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the rest of that social media nonsense. <laughs> we would love to hear your thoughts on how you would use this episode in your own homebrew campaign, so reach out and let us know. I'm Adam. And I'm Dan. And we'll be back with more prep work next week. Hi, everyone. We received a piece of mail from one of our longtime listeners from the main podcast. And for those of you that uh, pay attention to um, our mailbag episodes, you'll recognize this name. Um, Alexander Another Skip Davis uh, sent us a message way back when we first started and launched this campaign builder series. And, uh, and he said the following. He said, I sort of disagree with the premise. You can start the players with small events and have them sort of spin in place from a DM's point of view. The players have a wildly different view, of course, but they'd be exploring the newbie area, Tier 1 events, while the DM builds a larger campaign from the uncovered interests and ties from small encounters left as mysteries even me as a DM did not know the answers to. So what he's saying is that you don't necessarily have to build a campaign from the ground up. You can discover it as you go along. And I think that not only is that valid, that a lot of people actually do that. What we're endeavoring to do on this show, of course, is to build it from the ground up because a lot of DMs have an idea, they have an inspiration, they want to come to the table with a story to tell that they're excited about. And this is how we are going about doing it. And as you can tell, we're discovering it as we go along, too. We are kind of in the exact same position that Alexander and other Skip Davis is talking about, where the uh, players do have quite a bit of agency here. We talked a bit in this episode about this, uh, I'm going to say, Zelmar character. I'm never going to remember that name, damn it, Dan. But we talked quite a bit about him, uh, and we don't even know if he's going to live or die. It may turn out that his iguana ends up being the one that lives, that we end up escorting back into the city at the end of this. We're very much on our back foot with this, and we don't know how the reactions of the players and the NPCs will, will play out. So, while we are building and exploring and setting the groundwork for our overall campaign, we're not touching on the random encounters. We're not touching on the character interactions. We don't even know exactly what class we're going to have if our priest would be a cleric, a paladin, or, or a druid. Or maybe even a, a, um, a necromancer who has stepped up as a high priest of some evil god. We don't know. We're keeping our options open, and we suggest you do as well. What's up, bitches, and welcome to the It's a Mimic... Ow, fuck, alright.
<laughs> Hi, and welcome to the It's a Mimic Campaign Builder. Okay, bye.